mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, Remember Thanksgiving. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Here now, Pastor Moody. I just had a thought I, I wanted to just deal with today. And I'm going to preach for a little while on the thought of remember Thanksgiving. And uh, because I think if the key to being thankful and the key to moving in the spirit of Thanksgiving is remembering what God has done for you. Hello? Remember how he brought you out. Remember how he saved you. Remember all the times he's moved for you, spared your life, healed you. I can look around this room and point out people that ought to be dead, if not for the Lord. Amen? And so he's a good God. Amen? And so I just thank him today for all of his goodness. Why don't you give God a hand for his goodness right now? Amen. I want to go to Philippians chapter 4, and I'm going to just read... uh, Four familiar verses and preach a while this morning. So stand with me if you would. And we're going to Philippians chapter 4 and starting in verse number 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 4. The Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, Rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. You know that word moderation there is really, a better translation is your gentleness, your understanding, your caring. Let it be known to all men. Amen. And uh, for the Lord is at hand. Be careful or worry for nothing. Amen. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, here it is, with thanksgiving, In other words, don't just go to God with your laundry list of needs. But when you go to God, you give him praise. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thank you for being who you are. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Amen on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and, uh, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Watch this. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. When you go to God with thanksgiving, when you go to God in prayer, when you go to God in faith, you go to God praising Him, trusting Him, God, you've always been there, you always will be. Suddenly peace comes in and keeps your heart and your mind. Even in the midst of the worst, you know, we're in a time right now when the world, half the world's went crazy. And the other half's not far behind, can you say Amen. But those who know their God, the Scripture said, will be strong and do exploits and move forward. Amen. How many glad you've got that kind of God? Amen. I will not be defeated. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for, uh, for your favor. We thank you for all your love and goodness and pray your blessing upon us today. In Jesus' name, and we'll give you praise. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. As I mentioned, this is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. 
is here. And Thanksgiving represents a lot of things to a lot of people. As you listen to them and talk to them, you'll find that out. Uh, one of the most predominant things is I think that you know, just a few years ago, Thanksgiving uh, marked the beginning of the Christmas shopping frenzy because the next day was Black Friday. How many remember that? All the deals. How many remember lining up in the big lines at Walmart to try to get one of those, t one of those televisions that was flat screen TVs that were marked down? Are oh, you all with me? Uh, now, you know, I've been noticing Black Friday's been going on for a couple of weeks. I don't get it, but it's, every store's been having Black Friday deals. And to many, Thanksgiving is a day of, uh, you know, feasting and football and family get-togethers. And uh, this year, only eight people's allowed in your house for Thanksgiving, and your neighbor might be watching, so be careful. <laughs> oh, my goodness. In 1621, I just did a little research, the, the Plymouth colonists and the Wampanoag Native Indians shared an autumn harvest feast that's acknowledged as one of the first Thanksgiving celebrations in the then 13 colonies. And for more than 200 years, days of Thanksgiving were celebrated by the individual colonies and then by the states as they began to develop. And it wasn't until 1863, in the middle of the Civil War, that President Abraham Lincoln declared a national day of Thanksgiving during the month of November to be held each year. Now, as I was reading upon this, there's some, there's some controversy about the legitimacy of the account of that first Thanksgiving with the pilgrims and the, I'll say Native Americans, be politically correct. Uh, some history revisionists are really painting an ugly picture of those early settlers that we know as pilgrims. They're changing the idea about who they really were. Instead of being people here who came looking to establish a place where God could be worshipped, amen, within the dictates of their conscience as they felt led of the Spirit, they have become categorized as, as money-hungry and, and land-hungry people trying to take over the, the, the nation, the land, and, and overthrow the, the natives that were here. And I want to get into all of that, but I want to focus on what Thanksgiving should mean to us, to a child of God. And doing that, I begin to think, sometimes we're not thankful because we don't remember. Sometimes we're, you know, as I used to say, instead of being humbly grateful, we're grumbly hateful because we have forgotten how good God has been. I've watched people's attitudes toward other people. And toward church, can I say it, even toward God, change with the circumstances. You let a problem arise and they're wringing their hands and said, I don't understand where God is and why God has let me down. And I thought like this, we're in a troubling time right now. This is a different time in our own history. We're, we're still in the middle of this pandemic which seems to have no end in sight and all the upheaval that's going on. And, and I don't want to talk about that every week, but it just seems like it's always there. Can you say amen? And much of the frustration concerning the events that are going on, I think, are the result of everything being politicized and used as a campaign issue. And it's a power struggle and because of that, people have chosen sides, and they've forgotten about God. 
I hate to say that, but I believe, Nick, even a lot of church people have lost sight of who God is in the midst of all of this and what God is able to do. There's so much anger and confusion, so much fear that's been propagated by by the media and by others. They want you to, I I heard something here a while back, they said that they're intentionally elevating the misery index. They want us to be a people in misery because they want us to think we can't make it without them. But can I tell you, I've found the answer to misery. I've found the answer to problems. Oh, glory to God. Can I tell you, for well over 40 years, amen, Sister Linda, I've found the answer to sickness. I've found a healer. Can you say amen? I was glad Nick sung that song this morning, Come See a Man. I can tell you about a man who lifted me up out of sin, who washed me clean, who set my feet up on a solid foundation, who put a song in my heart and joy in my soul. And I've found out for over 40 years now, no matter what comes my way, he never fails. He's always God. And as long as I can remember that, I can lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting, and I can enjoy thanksgiving, hallelujah, every day of my life. Give him praise if you would. Glory. You know, Paul in verse 6 suggests that we replace worry and fear with prayer and supplication. The word supplication, it, it, it means more than just praying, but it means intently pursuing God to come into his presence. And you come in not just wanting to receive, but you come in to give. The song this morning said, the breath we receive, we give it back as praise. Hallelujah. How many glad you've got the ability to praise him? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I, I really think that, that a lot of Christians live in that high misery index. Are you with me? Because they don't remember to be thankful and to give God praise for all of his doing. I know over the years there's been times that crises have arisen in my life. Rita, there's been times when I've woke up some mornings and it seemed like hell had camped out on my front door and everything was falling apart. Then there's been times that the Sister Moody's looked at me and said, what are we going to do? And can I be honest, there's been times I looked at her and said, I don't know. <laughs> but I want to tell you what I have found out. I found out the moment I turned to this God that I turned to him who's been faithful, who saved me, who's healed me, who's blessed me, who's made a way for me. And I remember to be thankful. I remember remember to say, God, I praise you for all that you've done and all that you're going to do because all of his promises are yes and amen. Come on, somebody. I'm here to tell you, I remember, thank God, all of his goodness and my heart runs over with thanksgiving and thankfulness every day. Amen. Dr. David Jeremiah said, the opposite of peace is worry. And, uh, There, when he said, be careful for nothing, he said, it means don't be anxious. Don't be caught up in anxiety. And that that word is the opposite of peace. And it means to have, listen, this is his definition. A mind divided between legitimate and destructive thoughts 
And if you don't allow your mind to run on legitimate thoughts, positive thoughts, truth from the Word of God, all that's left is then, amen, the negative, the negative, that the destructive, that chokes out the Word of God and causes you to abandon your trust and causes you to forget and not remember how good God is. Is this all right? Amen. Let, let me go a little farther. In Psalm 55 and 22, the Bible said, cast your burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Jesus told the parable of the sower and he said, you know, remember that the man went out and sowed seed. Some fell by the wayside and the fowls devoured it and some fell on stony ground and, and it sprung up but didn't have any root and then it died. And, and in one part of it, he said, some fell among thorns and the thorns sprung up and choked out that seed and in verse 22 of Matthew 7 uh, 13 Jesus said he, he explained that he also that received the seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and the care the worry the anxiety of the world the destructive thoughts and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful in your life I want to tell you I believe that every child of God has every right to expect God's word to do just exactly what it says and to mean just exactly what it says I tell you I've stood for years and talked to people and told him but the Bible says this about your circumstance and I've had them looked at me and say things like well it says that but that's not what it means why would God say anything that he doesn't really mean and I've had them look at me and say well that may be true for you but it's not true for me listen that's hogwash I've come to tell you that every word of God is true it's inspired it works oh glory to God I feel like preaching I'm here to tell you, stop worrying, amen. Don't be caught up with anxiety and destructive thoughts, but don't allow these things to choke the word of God out of your life. Peter said in 1 Peter 5 and 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God and he'll exalt you in due time. Look at verse number seven. It says, casting all your care. Can I say it? That's the same word there. It means anxiety. It means negativity. It means destructive thoughts. I want to tell you, if you listen to the world, if you listen to the media, if you listen sometimes to your family, oh, can I just get real close and say sometimes your wife don't see things right and your husband don't see things right, but if you can get to God's word, you'll find out, are you hearing me, that God will take care care of you because this verse says he cares for you amen he takes it I don't have to worry about it so he in these scriptures gives us really some rules for living in thankfulness and remembering how good God really is first of all he says you need to rejoice you know I think the Pentecostal church has become the quietest church in the country a lot of times. I mean, the Spirit-filled church, and when you say Pentecostal, I know your mind immediately flashes back you know, to, to the wagon train days when everybody looked like they just got off a wagon train and they were bound in legalism and everybody criticized you. That's not what Pentecost ever was or was ever intended to be. Come on, it's been Pentecost, amen, that in the upper room that set the world afire with the gospel. 
Are you with me? It was Pentecost at Azusa Street. Are you hearing me that, that took the gospel? Do you know that from Azusa Street, that by the time when Azusa Street revival hit, as much as 40% of the continent of Africa had never even been, uh, even been discovered. There were tribes there that, that nobody had ever seen before. But after Azusa Street, in a few short years, the church infiltrated the dark continent of Africa you're not hearing me. I, I'm here to tell you that we need to be people that are filled with joy, filled with power. I've never seen so many lose their shout. I've never seen so many lose their ability to rejoice and they give it up over to worrying. And so he says, I want you to rejoice. Do you know that Paul wrote this epistle and some others while he was in prison and it was under horrible conditions? Amen. Sister Rita, I, I counted it. 16 times in four chapters. Paul's in prison. Are you hearing me? I said 16 times in this letter. He either says rejoice or he talks about the joy. <laughs> Whoa, hallelujah. If you can shout in jail, are you with me? You ought to be able to shout in church and give God praise and in the middle of the worst of circumstances. Give the Lord a hand of praise, would you? Paul said rejoice. Rejoicing is a powerful theme throughout the scripture. In Nehemiah, when they were building the walls, and they, listen, they'd been in captivity, and Nehemiah had brought a, a group back, and they were trying to rebuild Jerusalem. Now, you've got to understand what this is talking about. The, the walls were torn down. The gates were burned. The, the temple had been destroyed almost. There were idol-worshiping groves and things, idols set up everywhere. And they came back and started to rebuild. And how many remembers reading Nehemiah? They're on the wall working with a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other. I mean, it, that, that simply means they had to defend themselves against the enemy because they're doing a work for God. And when they sent to Nehemiah and said, come down to the plain of Ono and meet with us, he said, no, no, I'm not coming down to Ono because I'm doing a work for God. And what a great, I love to read the book of Nehemiah. It tells about him opening up all those gates. You ought to study that. All those gates represent more than just an entrance to the city. Each one represents an answer to every dilemma that you'll ever face. Amen. And so in Nehemiah chapter 8, the Bible said they called them all out into the street. And in verse number 1, it said all the people gathered themselves together. Amen. As one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spoke unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses. Bring the word of God which the Lord had commanded to Israel. Now, in verse number eight, it says, so they, they got together and it says that they'd build a big tall wooden pulpit and he's standing up there preaching. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense. In other words, they read it, they explained it, they preached it, caused them to understand the reading. And then it says, and Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, which means the governor, and Ezra, the priest and the scribe, uh, the priest, the scribe, and the, and the Levi taught the people saying unto all the people this day is holy unto the Lord your God mourn not nor weep for the people wept in other words when they heard the word of God you know why because they were convicted they knew that they had, their fathers and generations had failed and that's why they'd been in captivity but then in verse number 10 amen he said unto them 
go your way. Amen. Look at this. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet. Send portions unto them whom have, for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our God. Neither be sorry. What? Look at this line. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. My God, my God, I, I want to tell you, I'm glad today I got some joy in my soul. Can somebody say amen? It's the fruit of the Spirit. Glory to God. And, and because of, of God's goodness, amen, I, I want to tell you that the Lord uh, uh, has strengthened me and I can remember all of His goodness and, and thanksgiving is just, it's not just a holiday, but it's an everyday occurrence, amen, for you when you allow the joy of the Lord to fill your life, amen, as you think about all that God has done, amen. In Habakkuk chapter 3, the prophet He's, he's reminding about all the things that have happened to Israel. He's telling them, people, you're in a bad shape. I mean, it's almost like a, you know, the Bible says he's standing up on Shigianoth and he's praying. He, he's, he's in that, that spiritual prayer. He's, he's trying to get God to move and he's, he's, he's talking to the people. And it says in verse number 17 of Habakkuk chapter 3, he said, Although the fig tree shall not blossom and neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olives shall fail and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold and there will be no herd in the stalls. Listen to this. Verse number 18, he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. How's that possible? Go to Acts chapter 16 and read about Paul and Silas. Amen. They've been locked up for preaching and they've been beat. Are you hearing me? And it's midnight and they're in the inner prison. They, their backs are, their flesh is bleeding. They're raw. And all of a sudden the Bible said at midnight they begin to sing <laughs> and they begin to pray. Pray. They begin to remember how good God was and God shook the prison. And by the time they got done, the jailer and his family and the inmates, they had revival. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? It'll only happen when we operate in the spirit of thanksgiving. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice evermore, evermore. So then there's this idea of rejoicing. And then there's the idea of moderation. He said, let your moderation be known. You know what's wrong with people today? Y'all ready for this? Everybody thinks they're right. Everybody thinks they're all that in a bag of chips. I mean, some of these politicians, you'd think that's Jesus the way they talk about themselves. And they ain't. They're not my savior. Come on, they're not my answer. And, and all of this mess that we're in now is because they think they have a right to be in control. I, I, I'd like to go back to the days and the ideas of the founding fathers that elected officials were servants. Mm, are you hearing me? It ain't all about me. It's all about this nation. Can somebody say amen? Well, let, let me move on. Moderation. He said, I want you to let your moderation be known to everybody. I mean, Adam, it's not enough just to be, you know, nice to Mandy. It's not, it's not enough, you know, just to, uh, to be nice to the people right around you. You know, that's, can I say this? Hope there's no Hindus in here. I don't want to offend anybody. But the Hindu culture teaches that. Hindu culture teaches that you only have to 
be honest and deal justly with those closest to you. And then once the farther you get outside your family circle, it doesn't matter what you do to people. That's, that's Basically, that's what that culture teaches. But here Paul is saying, I want you to let your moderation, and the word moderation again is also interpreted forbearance. It's interpreted gentleness or the ability to get along. It involves being reasonable. How I many know some people that are not reasonable? It involves the ability to get along. It, uh, it, it, not so concerned with unimportant matters that we fight over things that are non-essential. Listen to what Paul said in Ephesians. He said in Ephesians 4 and 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation. That, that word vocation is not vacation, it's vocation. It means your calling in life, what God's raised you up to be. Who are you? What's your gift? What's your calling? What's your ministry? What's God brought you into this world? You need to walk worthy of that. Don't let your, he told Timothy, don't let your good be evil spoken of. What was he saying? He was saying, you've got a powerful anointing. Don't go out here and let people talk bad about you because of the way you present yourself. You need to be a person of moderation, of forbearance, of long-suffering, of caring. He said, Walk worthy of the vocation word with your call, verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering. Here's that word again, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In Colossians chapter 3, he said, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, you forgive them also. Isn't that, isn't that rich? There'd be a whole lot less trouble in the world today if we could learn about moderation. Number three, then he says, this rule applies to all of us. Amen. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't let anxiety take over your life. But in everything, somebody say everything. That means big things, little things, in between things. Everything by prayer, with supplication, and with thanksgiving. It's only when we surrender our worry our anxiety, our trouble, to God in prayer that we find strength. When the problem is worry, the prescription is prayer, supplication. I want to say that again. When the problem is worry, the prescription is prayer, it's supplication, and thanksgiving, and praise. Listen, amen. Uh, because when you get in God's presence, it leads to proper thinking, to right responses. First Thessalonians 5.18, Paul said, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I wonder today how many of us understand and remember thanksgiving. You know, I've had a couple of instances in my life since I served the Lord where my life was in danger and my wife's life was in danger. You know, some of the story about the medical issues, the strokes and things that she went through and how God brought her through. One time a doctor looked at me 20 years ago and said I'd be dead in a year. He was wrong. I'm still here. And I don't say this to be smart or cute, but when he looked at me and said, you only have it, 
with this cancer, you most you can hope for is a year. I don't know why, Adam, it just come out of me. I looked at him and I said, that ain't right. He said, what do you mean? I said, you're wrong. He said, I'm a doctor. I said, I don't care. I'm a Pentecostal preacher. And I wasn't being curt. I felt that in my spirit. I said, God ain't done with me. And if I'm going to die, he's going to tell me. And he ain't said nothing about it. Hallelujah. And I just stood on the word of God. I'll never forget this. I, I had to, they, they scheduled me to go to a specialist into the hospital for some tests. And I went, was going to see this guy that was, that was supposed to, I guess, pronounce doom over me or, or decide, you know, how bad it was. And, and uh, I, that night I was at home and, I, I, you know, my dad didn't know about what was going on. I thought, well, I better call him and tell him. So I called dad and his hearing went real good. So my, my stepmother, she's a Pentecostal preacher, got on the phone. And I started telling her about what was going on. I preached twice that day and, and I was tired. And I guess she thought I was kind of down. She rebuked me and she said, what's wrong with you? said, talking like the world's come to an end. She said, don't you know that this God never fails? And man, next thing I know, she's off in the Holy Ghost and she's prophesying to me. And, and all of a sudden, she gives me a word that God says, by morning, you will know that I have arrived. Oh, hallelujah. I, come on, somebody. I, I got up the next morning. I was feeling pretty good. And I, I started, I had some places I, that I could tell where it was. And I started examining myself when I was in the shower. And I got to shouting because they weren't just smaller. They were gone. Are you hearing me? They were completely gone. And I went to the doctor that day and I walked into that specialist and they did all their tests and they took all their pictures and he called me in the office and set me down. And I'll never forget his words. He said, I don't even know why you're here. <laughs> he said, you, he said, I don't know what the, what the doctor and he called his name was thinking about or looking at. I said, you do not have this. You have no symptoms of this. And I said, well, I did, but my God is able and he moved for me last night. And I got a word, a prophetic word that it'd be better by morning. And he looked at me and he said, well, I don't know everything, but I tell you, I have seen some miracles come through this office. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you, we don't need to let the, the negative reports of the enemy overtake us. We need to remember and with thanksgiving, amen, we need to stand up and declare, thank God he's never failed and he'll never fail now. Come on, Nick, to the music if you would. The last thing he said was the peace of God. Say that with me, the peace of God. Now, not the peace of my political party. Not the peace of my bank account. Not the peace of my good wife who stood beside me for most of our adult life. This past week we had the funeral for Sister Judy Hager. Her and Raymond had been married almost 50 years. And my brother-in-law Lonnie was one of her pallbearers. Him and Janice this coming week would have been married 54 years. Sister Moody and I, next month, will be married 48 years. And I'm just telling you that, you know, I've been shielded 60 years. And I had this thought. I said, I don't know how this thing's going to end with me and Gail. And I said this at the funeral. I said, chances are it won't end well. It'll end in a hospital room or a, or a hospice care center or, or in a bed at the house, and one of us will have to leave. The other one, I said, no, I don't want to die and leave her here, and I sure don't want her to die and leave me here. 
But as I have this blessed hope that Jesus is going to come and we're going to be raptured. But I, I looked at, at Brother Raymond sitting there and I said, for 50 years, they've stood together and, and no doubt made each other happy and had gave each other peace in times of trouble. But Paul says, what I'm talking about goes beyond that. He said, your mother and father may forsake you, but the Lord will bear you up. And he said, I'm going to give you my peace, the peace of God, which passes. Jesus said, peace I give to you, not peace like the world gives, but my peace, the peace of God. Peace is a promise. Peace is a condition. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. Peace is an indwelling attribute of an almighty, unchanging God. Are you all hearing me? I have been in some horrible situations. I've been in some things that I didn't know how it was going to come out. But in the middle of it, there was peace. Peace here. And I knew it was God. I couldn't understand it. But I knew it was all right. Let me understand what I'm saying. And uh, Brother Adam back here had a heart attack. They said he'd been having a heart attack for a solid week. And for two weeks. I'd been there at the hospital with him and I'd stayed the biggest part of the day and I left, I think, going back to New Church that night. And before I could get out of Lexington, his mother called me and uh, said, they're saying this thing, he might not make it. So I just turned the car around and went back. When you're in that mess, you need something that's stronger and more enduring and more lasting. You need something that's more assuring than the expertise of a doctor, can you say? You need the peace of God. Psalm 29 11 said the Lord will give strength to His people. Listen to this. The Lord will bless His people with peace. Thanksgiving leads to peace. Anxiety, stress, worry, destructive thoughts will tear you down. Your misery index will go off the charts. Like I said, most of this media that's on television, they're trying to elevate the misery index. They're trying to manipulate. But here's a God that says, I'll bless my people with peace. Isaiah 48 and 18, he said, Oh, that you'd hearken to my word. Then is your peace been as a river and your righteousness as the waves of the sea. I'm telling you, you can't do anything with a God like that. He's a good God. Lou, he's a God that fills us with peace. We've all had problems. Anybody here ain't never had no problems? I want to talk to you if you've never had any problems. I want to get you to tell me how you did it. But I've had trouble. I've had situations happen. I was talking to my son-in-laws in Florida. We've been in Florida this week. Flew down on Monday, flew back yesterday. And we was talking. And we was talking about the stuff that life deals to you. And I said, my brothers and I, a little bit we watched I was almost four our mother drowned in front of us and I said my grandmother my dad's mom she 
She saved our lives, literally. She took us in. I remember when she died. Me and Larry were walking down that hall. Larry's next above me, and then Mike's eldest, regardless of what he tells y'all, he is the eldest. And we're walking down the hall, and I'll never forget this, Rob. I just crushed. She was my security blanket, I guess you could say. In a sense, we're walking down the hall. I looked over at Larry and big tears running down his cheeks. I'll never forget this. He looked at me and said, what do we do now? We're grown men. We got children. We're married, you know. He looks at me and says, what do we do now? Sometimes life is like that. But this God says, I'll give you peace. I know, I know some of your stories. Sarah, I know your story. I, I know where you've been. And they could stand up and tell you, but the peace of God kept me. Guards your heart, keeps your mind, passes understanding. It's all the result. Remember. Say it with me. Remember. Say it out loud. Remember who God is, what He's done. And it'll lead you to thanksgiving. Amen. Stand with me if you would. Father, how we love you. How we praise you. I magnify you, Lord, because you're worthy. Thanksgiving is not just a day to eat and watch football, and that's all all right. To be with family, that's wonderful. (coughs) But regardless what's going on or what restrictions might be in place or what battle somebody here might be facing today if we can just remember God who you are and what you've done we can walk in thanksgiving God I want you to give that person who's struggling today peace that person that's hurting comfort that person that's lost salvation that person that's drifted and got away from God, restoration. That person who's financially in trouble, I want you to bless them, help them, make a way where there seems to be no way. Let them begin to praise their way out of the problem. Let us realize who you are today and remember. Your heads bowed, your eyes closed. I wonder if there's anybody here today, Pastor Moody, I can say God's been good to me, but right now I'm kind of in a struggle. I just need help focusing on who he is. Is that you? Would you just slip up your hand? God bless you. I'm kind of in a struggle right now. I need some help. I see you. Somebody else. I need a little help today. I just I just need to remember who he is and enter into that spirit of thanksgiving. Anybody else? I want you to look this way. I want Nick to sing. And I'll tell you about these holiday messages. Sometimes they're a little different. I really felt God told me to tell them to remember. Tell them don't forget. I've been reading, studying actually through the books of Moses. I'm, I'm over in that last one in Deuteronomy. You know, and Moses was talking to the children of Israel near the end of his life. And he said, some of you all forgot how God brought you out from under the iron hand of Egypt delivered you from the slavery and the whip 
brought you through the Red Sea and through the wilderness and you complained so much that a whole generation of you died in the wilderness. But he said, if you just think about the cloud by day and the fire by night and the water out of the rock and that God that never turned his back on you. Moses said, he went to God and said, God, you've been so good. He said, please let me go over into the promised land. And you know what God said? God said, I don't want to hear any more about it. Don't mention it again. Go up in the mountain, look over there and die. That's it. You're not going. I mean, those God can be pretty stern sometimes. But Moses just kept remembering who he was. And uh, when Jesus went to the Mount of Transfiguration, guess who showed up? Moses and Elijah. Won't you come let God take you to a place of remembrance today that leads to a place of thanksgiving which will bring you to a place of deliverance from your trouble. Thank you. Come on. We hope you enjoyed today's message and we'll tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.